listeners, this is PSG Talk contributor Mark Damon, and this is a PSG Small Talk Champions of France edition for Sunday, April 21st, 2019. And as I just said on today's show, we will cover PSG's 3-1 victory at the Parc des Princes against AS Monaco, and a general reaction to PSG winning Ligue 1 for the eighth time. They are now tied with FC Nantes and AS Monaco for second all-time on the list of league unchampions, the most league unchampions. And they are behind Marseille and Saint-Étienne, who both have 10. But the way it's going, it does seem like PSG are going to be able to at least reach that mark, if not surpass it, and become France's most illustrious decorated club. So... After about a bad week or so of just injuries and mediocrity, this was a better day than the last week. Let's put it like that. PSG won the league earlier in the day when Lille drew away at Toulouse, nil-nil, and were able to sort of use this game as a sort of victory lap of sorts, and they, for the most part, delivered. Uh, Kylian Mbappe with two goals in the first half before Neymar came on in the second half and uh, scored a goal in the third period to give himself a hat trick and to give him his 30th goal of the league on campaign by far and away the most that anyone has scored. So I, I can't imagine a, a universe where Kylian Mbappe does not win league on player of the year. I think at this point it's pretty much locked up just like the league is locked up with five games to go. There's a lot to, to take from this, and I'm going to start by a word that sort of popped into my head as I was watching this game, and that was epiphany. And I'm not going to use this as an excuse, because I feel like we're able to compartmentalize certain things. We're not in a world of binary choice in this situation. A lot of things can be true at the same time. This season was, well, let's put it this way. The Champions League was not lost in March. The Champions League was lost in August. And it was lost because of UEFA's dirty tactics in their attempt to sort of freeze PSG in the transfer window, which they pretty much succeeded in doing. And as you saw in the uh, in the TAS ruling, UEFA didn't eventually get away with this, and they had to back off. They can still try to attack PSG for uh, financial fair play in the following seasons, but the way it's going, I just the revenue is bigger. The uh, the way that PSG were able to empty out the squad a little bit, I think that they've staved off that. Uh, potential landmine for the most part, unless they really go on a ridiculous spending spree again. But I bring it up because, as I said, more than one thing can be true at a time. PSG lost this title in August because UEFA did not give them a chance to build the roster in a way that they needed to. Also, something else that can be true is that PSG should never have lost that game to Manchester United at home at the Parc des Princes. Even with all the injuries, even with everything sort of leaning against them, taking a 2-0 lead into your building, you have to figure out a way to win that game. No matter what, you have to win that game. 
And losing that game is a major black mark on this club. Again, both things can be true at the same time. What also can be true at the same time is that PSG would have probably won that Manchester United tie easily if they had Neymar. And I think this game sort of proved that. Like, they were fine in the first half, but when Neymar comes on the field, they are just a different team offensively. He allows them to do so many more things. He allows them defensively to play further back because he takes up so much space in the middle of the field because he can play different roles. He can receive the ball from a defenseman and drive it upfield. He can receive it from a midfielder and drive it upfield. He can be the creator. He can be the goal scorer. He's simply one of the three, simply one of the five best players in the world. And at this point right now, he's criminally underrated. Now, he can't stay on the field, which is another problem, but... When he's on the field, he's a top five player in the world, and there's absolutely no doubt about that. And you saw in this game, when he came on in the second half, he looked like he didn't miss a beat. Like, whoever did, whoever decided to not have him have that foot surgery again is an absolute genius because he just looks dynamic. He looks fast. He looks like he can, he can do the things that he was doing before the injury without having to put another screw in his foot. And that's really, really encouraging. Like, if there's anything to take away from this game, it's that Neymar looks like Neymar. And if he can carry that over into the Copa America and he can get some momentum and he can stay on the field and PSG can start building a better team around him, PSG will have a chance next year. They will have a damn good chance and probably the best chance they've had Probably since the 15-16 season, because let's be honest, the injuries the last two years have just sapped this team of Champions League potential. They've been able to keep it up in the league and win the leagues, which is an accomplishment. Obviously, I'm celebrating it today. But this team, we really don't know. And it's amazing that two years after the two major signings, we still don't really know. And it's on, we're only going to know if those two players can stay healthy and PSG can put a team around them. And it, it, you don't want it to become a what-if situation. And there's so many what-if situations in sports where there's these great teams that have just never been able to reach their full potential because of the injuries. I, I really don't want this to be the case. You can't rule it out. But you have to be optimistic that those guys can stay healthy, especially Neymar, who's had these three-month-plus injuries the last two seasons. And I thought of the word epiphany because I realized that. Like, all these things can be true. We don't have to have this debate with each other about, well, is it the midfield? Is it the FFP? Is it this? Is it that? It's all of these things. It's a confluence of all of these different factors coming into play and you saw it in this game another word i'm going to pull out microcosm psg were looking so good in that second half up three nil and then marco Verratti rolls his ankle out of nowhere on an innocuous again the game's over practically the game is over he jumps in the air and he rolls his ankle looked pretty bad i'm not a doctor but 
the fact that he stayed on the sideline is a good sign. He didn't have to get carted off. I don't think he broke anything. I don't think he really badly sprained anything. I just think he badly rolled his ankle. We'll see about the Coupe de France. I'm not going to necessarily count on him, but I wouldn't be all that surprised if he plays. Some of these, sometimes these things are tr- sometimes these things are weird. Sometimes, especially if there isn't any real structural damage to the ankle, it can feel better the day that day or the next day, or it can swell up and he misses two three weeks. We don't really know. I still think. Draxler and Paredes and Marquinhos. I think you'd actually, I'd play Marquinhos in midfield over, uh, over, over uh, Paredes right now. But that's that would be me. Um, they could get this done. And the fact of the matter is, once you play that Coupe de France match, the rest of the games are more or less uh, training for the 2019-2020 season. So it doesn't really matter if Verratti plays a lot. So I wouldn't, like, force him back. There's just no reason to. And then Tilo Kerr comes off with a da-da-da-da muscle injury. Just we play muscle injury bingo here. This time it's his hamstring. It it really is. It's it's ridiculous. And it's weird that it it see these injuries seem to happen a lot at the Parc des Princes for some reason. I don't know why. It's. It, I think there is definitely an issue with the... And here's another one of those things that can be true all at the same time. This staff is just... The, the way they train, the way they do these things is just not really good enough. And they're not... And they don't have the depth to absorb the blows like they have in previous years. So you get a lot of... Uh, you get a lot of academy players coming in you get these kind of chupo moting situations and i still think getting neymar and mbappe is worth having to sacrifice all that depth i'll i'll make that trade a hundred times out of a hundred because you don't win the champions league with uh you don't you can compete in the champions league with good balanced teams but you really can't win the Champions League unless you have Messi, Ronaldo, that kind of caliber of player. You again, you can compete, but you just—it's really much harder to win without that caliber player on your on your uh, on your roster. So they're going to go into the summer and they're going to have to build this team up. We all know that, and we'll get to that when we get to it. But it seems that. It seems that um, this is, again, about these words of epiphany, which for me is more of a personal thing, and sort of that other word that is escaping me right now. I'm watching uh, I'm watching the NHL NBA playoffs right now, and some pretty good games going on, so mildly distracted, but I'll stay with you here. They, they just have to do so many things, I think, mentally, physically, to readjust the way they operate in the medical room and to keep these guys on the field because they can get all these great players. If they can't keep them healthy, then it's kind of pointless. And you can have all these great players and then they all get hurt. And we had another injured player come back today Edinson Cavani got about 20 minutes or so of action 
He didn't hurt himself, so that's a positive. And we're right now we're at the we're in these situations where these league games, especially in the Champions League, uh, especially in the time before the Champions League, you can't even really enjoy them because you're like, my God, let's hope nobody else gets hurt. And I don't, you know, I I hope we don't have to continue to live this for the, you know, for however long we're on this earth following this team that we have to watch year after year these key players go down injured. It's just frustrating. And I hope that somebody has an answer. At some point, somebody comes in and we're getting a new uh, medical trainer, I guess. Um, He worked at the... Qatari Medical Center, Aspater, I think. Um, I just don't know his name. I'm going to look it up because, again, I want to be completely... uh, um, I want to be completely, uh, I guess, uh, factual here. Um, Somewhere here. I don't know. I'll look at it later. But it just... We're now focused on 1920. I think that's pretty obvious and pretty clear. This was a nice win because it once again showed off that when this team has its most of its complement of weapons, it's really hard to beat. And I think we all knew that, but I think that after a couple of weeks, and especially me, after a couple of weeks of watching a sort of uninspired, injured, backup team kind of go through the motions and a coach that I think was going through the motions and not putting in the work that needs to be put in. And you actually, as a coach, have to do more work when your stars are injured and you have to work those players and make sure they're in positions to succeed. And he didn't do that. And it's okay to say that. It's okay to be critical of this coach. I still think he's the right guy right now. There hasn't been anything major to to put me off of that point. But let's be honest, the not game he just threw away, he didn't care. The way the game was coached, the way the players were out there, undisciplined, not giving the sort of concentrated effort that was needed to keep that game close. In my mind, you have to be more professional than that. And when you have performances like that, you can't, you can't then start blaming play. That's not a time where you blame players openly. I think that was a bit of a mistake because it was clear that a lot of these players were put in a situation, injuries or not, where the coach didn't really expect to get much from the game. So he just sort of threw a group out there and let them get slaughtered and let them get bullied around. That I didn't think was right. But as I said, a lot of things can be true at once. It's not a binary choice. Tomas Tuchel today looked like he sent a team out there, obviously with more players, obviously better depth, obviously Marquinhos helps, Verratti helps when he can stay healthy. And in this case, they were able to be a little more defensive, be a little more solid, and hit Monaco on counters. And at that point, I think it's tough for a team like Monaco to respond to that because they don't have the the greatest uh, roster right now in the world either. They need to rebuild a bunch of that. And defensively, they're still, you know, playing Glick and Jemerson and they're not going to they're not going to keep up with Killian Mbappe. It's just ain't going to happen. 
So, I think Tomas Tuchel had a good idea going into this game. It was more 4-4-2, and then they sort of went to like more of a 4-2-3-1 by the end. It looked, it, it looked good. It looked like they were coached in this game, as opposed to what happened against Nantes. So, where you go from here? Now, I think it's about the Coupe de France on Saturday, which we'll have coverage of. And at that point, you have five more games left in your season. And you're not really playing for anything. So it, I think it, it's time to get Neymar his minutes, let him, you know, let him play, let him get ready for the Copa America. Kylian Mbappe gets a little more rest because he's been carrying that team for th- three months now. And at some point, he's going to get tired. At some point, he's 21 years old. He's playing so much right now, more than he has the last two, more than he has the first two seasons of his career. So I look at it like he needs to get a couple games off, get Di Maria going again, let him get in a game. I think he would have came in if it wasn't for Verratti getting hurt. And then give guys like Mehmet Guklu, who came in against Nott and scored that goal, give Diaby time, even more time than he's getting. Colin Dagba, I think, is starting to find his footing again. I think it's been tough for him sort of starting in that role. And he looked pretty good in this game. Tilo looked better in this game. He should be playing. It's time to sort of get that... I guess you want to call it preseason. I'll say it's kind of a preseason and give your younger players a lot of playing time, even get Chopomoting a couple of games. Just, you know, you want to confirm whether he's going to be here next year and let's, you know, get as many looks at him as you can before you have to make that choice. Same with Julian Draxler, same with Thomas Meunier, if he can find him his way off the uh, injury report. And then move on from there and get ready for your summer uh, your summer transfer deals. That's about it. I mean, this was kind of the culmination. I think if they win the Coupe de France, that'll even be a, a better sort of end to the season. But the competitive phase of PSG season is pretty much over. One more game competitively to play. So we'll be there for that competitive game. Uh, we'll have coverage of it. Make sure to follow PSG Talk on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Subscribe to our podcasts, PSG Talking and PSG Small Talk. Um, Go to our website, psgtalk.com, and subscribe to our Patreon page. I think that's about it. I'll have an article coming up at some point. I haven't written one in a while. Busy, but uh, probably it'll be a recap of the season in some sort of creative way. Um, I'll be on the lookout for some of our other contributors and I think we're good from there. Um, so for PSG talk, this has been Mark Damon saying au revoir for now.